Welcome to Autoimmune Revolution Radio. I'm your host, Justin Janoska, clinician and founder of the Autoimmune Revolution. After watching my mom suffer with autoimmune disease, I have made it my mission and purpose to help people like you. Unlock the door to better results, regain control of your body, and feel like yourself again. I want you to become an autoimmune alchemist and get your life back. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. May you be filled today with joy, abundance, and loving kindness. Peace and love. All right. Welcome, welcome. Justin here. I'm really excited to get into this topic with you on why you're not seeing the progress you want. Raise your hand if that sounds like you. Progress is slow. You're doing a lot of things. Um, you've been at this for a long time, maybe many years with your autoimmune disease, your Hashimoto's, your PCOS, whatever that might be. But a lot of times you're seeing some progress and then you plateau. It's kind of like this thing I say where you're taking two steps forward, one step backwards maybe. Um, and this is <laughs> quite a common issue. And it's not your fault, but what I want to say is it's revealing a truth that there is more to do and that if you're not at the finish line, being remission, being symptom-free, having full control of this disease and being able to live your life and not make this a project, like a lifelong project, then we have to look at things differently and see what's going on. What are the missing links in the chain here? The weak links in the chain, if you will. So I want to share some thoughts around this and what I've seen over the years with clients um, who come to me saying they've done everything quote unquote, right. And yes, you, you probably have done a lot of great things. I'm sure your diet's great. I'm sure you're taking supplements and you're exercising and you're sleeping well, drinking clean water. And it's not about that though. And this is the thing I've been saying over and over is that you don't need more change there. That's not going to make a difference really for most people. Like 99.9% .9 of the time, that's not, it's not that. There's something else that is completely being missed. And there are many things actually. Um, so I don't want to discourage you. And in fact, you should be more encouraged to realize that there's way more you can do, but you have to open your mind and be curious and explore. Okay. So the first thing I'll say is <clears throat> that, it, you know, if you're stuck and you're struggling to see results, it doesn't mean there's no solution. You just haven't found it yet. Right. We just got to be honest about that, but it's up to you to find it. Okay. I have to make this really clear because I think we've been conditioned as a society to rely on the doctor or someone to fix you or the practitioner or whoever you hire. And here's a bit of tough love for you. It's no one's job to fix you or heal you or cure you. When I work with my clients, I make that abundantly clear from the, from the get-go. I'm just your tour guide, your Sherpa, your counselor, whatever you want to call me, walking down the path and showing you the way to the promised land and the destination you want to be in. Okay. It's your job to heal you, but you can't do it alone. Okay. That's why I'm here. And that's why you have support, but you are your own best health advocate and no one is responsible except for you. Just as it's my responsibility to heal my own stuff, just as it was for my mom and her Hashimoto's, right? She needs support, but she's always her best advocate. So same for you. 
we can't be relying on other people, especially the allopathic model or conventional doctors, because what I'll say about that is while we need them and we're not biased in the fact that they are not helpful or, um, but understanding that they're not going to change their ways. It's all about politics, the financial gain. We got to be really clear about that. And the politics are against good treatment in medicine for autoimmune disease and PCOS. So that's why you're getting a lot of the same things all the time. Medications, dosage changes, and not being heard, listened to, and maybe they're gaslighting you, whatever is going on. It's causing you stress and frustration. I understand that it's very, very common. So what I say is get what you need from them and move on. But the problem is that many people I notice are jumping around, seeing another endocrinologist or a rheumatologist or an OBGYN or someone different in that same field, thinking they're going to get a different answer. And they're not, they really don't because it's not about, they're not going to, they're not interested. They don't have the ability to change their, their approach because in big pharma and the higher ups and everything that is kind of controlling them and overseeing them. So it's not worth it for them to, even if they have good intention and want to help you, it's not worth it for them to put their reputation on the line in the profession to venture out in the, you know, questionable territory of alternative medicine. So that being said, you might go see a naturopath or an alternative medicine practitioner. And you know what, it's not that much better because there are a lot of, a lot of them are doing the same things, which is just giving you another diet to follow a number of supplements to take, which by the way, I have a client currently who is on 57 supplements. She came to me with that. And I just, my eyes literally rolled out of my, my sockets. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but this is what happens. And she feels no different by the way, because it's not about supplements anymore. It never really was. And that's the point of this is that we can't oversimplify this autoimmune disease stuff, this Hashimoto's or this PCOS. I say it all the time. It's my favorite tagline of all time. You cannot diet, supplement, medicate your way out of autoimmune disease or PCOS or whatever condition you have. There might be that one person that can do it, but it's because they got real lucky, I think, but most of the time, um, you can't because it, disease states like this are very complex. There's so many variables going on. It doesn't mean you don't address the disease with these things like diet and supplements medication. You should, and, and you will, but if you're over relying on that and fixating on that, obsessing about it, thinking you need to modulate it and change it again to get better results, you're wasting your time and your money. And so that's why I'm saying that um, unfortunately, many people are doing this for years and I just feel bad. I'm like, you can do better and you can get better results. That's why I do this work because I'm here to show you a new way. And I saw this firsthand with my mom who got a lot of the same, as I call surface level interventions and it got her some results, but it, that's fleeting. It goes away. That's why we call this the honeymoon phase. So you're on a new diet, you're on this supplement or this new parasite cleanse or whatever is going on that you're attracted to. And you might be like, yeah, I feel really great. I'm good. I don't need to do anything else. But a month later, you're feeling like crap again, or you're back to square one or you stagnate. And this is what happens. So we got to be really honest about this and not keep hoping that, okay, I need to wait another month or two for this to work better. It, it really, you know, the truth will reveal, well, excuse me, will reveal itself. And if that's the case, then it's up to you to change and approach it from a different angle. Um,
but in my experience, you can't simply rely on these things because it's just not adequate. Okay. So that being said, let's talk about the four things that I've noticed that we want to assess when it comes to why we're not getting results. And I've just observed this over the years and with clients and, and assessing their situation and, and seeing what they're missing. And, and they're always missing something, by the way, if you're coming to me, I can probably figure it out. I mean, assuming you're, you have a condition that I work with, but there's always a reason for why you're not getting progress. And I always find it. I mean, I'm being really honest with you. I mean, I rarely don't because I just know my, my disease states, my conditions very well. I know how to explore and figure this out. Um, but sure, I could be wrong and I may not get it. But the point is that um, I'm, I'm pretty confident in what I do with this. And so it comes down to four things that I see. Okay. And the first one being root causes. Now we know that there are root causes with these conditions and autoimmunity and PCOS. There's so many, okay. You could have 50 uh, root causes going on, but maybe you only need to care about four of them. The goal is not to find out every root cause, by the way. And I think that's a huge misconception. A lot of people think that they have to find every problem and do all the testing, or maybe the doctor they work with does that. And that's unfortunately what happens too. spending all this money to get normal results. And, um, so not all of the important root causes have been identified. Okay. So there, there are missing puzzle pieces and there's a laundry list of things, but some of the common things are stealth infections and maybe toxins and maybe sluggish bile or cholestasis or fatty liver or blood sugar dysregulation or emotional pain and trauma. Okay. All these things are very common. Um, and so we have to just take a look at this from a bird's eye view, a 30,000 foot view and see, okay, what am I missing? And there is a sort of, you know, checklist in my mind of what I'm, um, going through when I'm working with somebody and, you know, again, the devil's in the details of all this. So, okay, maybe there is a pathogen, which one, you know, how much of it, is it a yeast? Is it a bacteria? Is it a parasite? Is it a protozoa? Whatever. And so we have to obviously do some testing to figure some of that out. Right. Um, but it's all relative. And that's the point. You have to look at symptoms and labs and history. Those are the three variables. You don't just rely on one um, because you can be negative on a test, but maybe you missed it. It actually happened to me not too long ago. Um, I had high uh, eosinophils, which are indicated in parasites. And I did a stool test. It was negative for it. Did another test because we kind of assumed that there would be one and we found it. Now, wasn't an issue. I could actually leave, <laughs> leave it alone. It wouldn't cause me a problem because not all parasites are created equal, FYI. But that's just an example, okay? Um, which kind of brings me to uh, the next point, which is lab testing. And how a lot of times, listen, there are there is no one single test to, to do everything. Um, you can't just run a test for um, like a stool test and think that's going to cover your bases and you, you figure you ruled everything out or you do, um, organic acid or something like that. I mean, there's, there's so many 
issues and weak, weaknesses in many labs. So we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket. But what I would say is that we consider it, we integrate it into our assessment. And if there are um, other clues that there's a problem, then we'll dig deeper and do other labs. I mean, Lyme disease is a great example of this because there is a Lyme test. There's it's a multi-panel approach. You need many things to get around many things to get a, a really good evaluation. Okay. So that, that's a, that's a real prime example. So what I'll say about testing is that a lot of the labs that people are doing are inappropriate, like food sensitivity testing. Listen, the reality is that it's popular and many people do it, but they're not reliable. The evidence has not really proven that. Um, I've been back and forth with it, but honestly, in my experience, I've never really used it much because I haven't needed to. And that people get great results because we're not making about their diet still. Um, so we don't rely on that. And so there might be other labs that are just not confirmed in the literature. Um, testing might be incomplete. So you're not getting all the right things tested for your situation. Um, and the timing of the testing is also important. Hormones are a great example of this because sex hormones um, for a female, for example, have to be done at certain times throughout the month if you want a better reading. Single point testing of sex hormones, like today, of estrogen, progesterone, and LH or FSH, um, or testosterone rather, is not really reliable because they always fluctuate throughout the month during your menstrual cycle. Now, of course, that's going to change if you're on HRT or if you're on birth control, but relatively speaking, for off that, you have a normal cycle, it's not manipulated, then you have to think about testing at appropriate times throughout the month. Otherwise, you get a false reading, and this is what happens a lot of times. And things look normal on labs, but they're really not. And also the medium you're using. So saliva testing versus blood testing versus urine, for example. Saliva is gold standard for cortisol testing not blood, sex hormones. I mean, they can be done in blood and saliva. I personally do saliva because it's what's most bioavailable. If you're trying to check bioavailability of what's, of what hormones are activating and working in the cells, which allow you to feel the way you're feeling, um, then you check saliva. Blood is not the most reliable thing in the best way because of assessing because of the fact that it's bound up to carrier proteins um, like sex hormone binding globulin. And therefore you don't really, you get an idea of how much is in the blood, but you don't know how much is actually getting into the cell doing its activity. Does that make sense? So that matters. And we see issues with that all the time. People are told they're normal. They're, they're especially PCOS. I see this a lot. Oh, my testosterone is normal. My DHEA is normal or whatever. And they're not getting the right biomarkers measured in the right medium, or they're missing certain biomarkers. And there's always some issue with this, I find. Some incomplete testing when it comes to thyroid hormone, um, hormones like reverse T3, not measuring that, or T3 or T4, and, and then hormones, um, like I'm saying here, for PCOS. Now, there's much more, uh, of course, but just to give you an example. So that's number two. Number three is test interpretation. And this is one of the bigger issues, honestly. And the, the, the fact of the matter is with conventional doctors, they're looking at this so fast, just like they look at you for your six minute appointment. 
they're not giving you the time of day to review your labs the way they should. And I'm, you know, oh, I'm told my labs are normal, but you, yet you feel the same, right? And when I look at labs from uh, for someone, I can pretty much find the issue and I'll, I'll see, okay, well, no, you're not really great. And, and here's why, because there's a, there's a conventional range, right? And there's a functional range. There's a, there, that's sort of the narrow window, you know? And so, I mean, TSH is a great example. They'll say 0.45 is the, is the, um, lower limit. And then 5.5 is the upper and, uh, and honestly, for me, it's really 0.8 to two. Um, if you're on thyroid meds, that is. So a lot of times people are just not getting the right, um, interpretation. And so they get sent on the merry way. They're told they're fine. They believe they're fine and nothing changes. And this is the issue. So, um, this is why we have to get a second opinion on things. And if you're told you're normal a lot, then you're probably not. And that's a real, real common issue. It's very, very prevalent. So remember that as well. You know, CBC is a great example too, because it's the cheapest and most helpful thing to do right away for a client, uh, at least for me, because it gives you an idea of someone's immune system and the status and there are implications in it, even within the normal ranges. So if you're in the higher or lower end of normal, um, I'm going to find something, for example, and, and say, okay, well, you're implying, it's implying that it might be some infection here or pathogen here, um, low stomach acid there maybe. So there are things that I can find in labs that are very basic and they're often run by conventional doctors. So we have to really, again, I'm going to say it again, get a second opinion, not just rely on the answer we're getting because we might be missing very important insights. Now, the fourth and final thing here is interventions. And the, the, the fact of the matter is if we're just doing a treatment plan, okay, I have SIBO, I've got candida, I'm going to do this plan, this protocol for 10 weeks, and we're not going to modify, we're not going to change it, we're just going to do this and hope that gets it done. That's a disaster. In fact, if that's ever something you're experiencing where someone's telling you to do something for eight weeks or some duration and over promising that's going to give you the results. It's not going to probably work. Or if it does, um, there's a good chance you'll relapse and you'll get it back. I've seen it so many times. You can't just stick with one thing and take some herbs and some medication and just, uh, ride it out for a certain number of weeks and hope that's going to resolve your issues because you might not respond well to the medication, or you might have a sensitivity or a reaction to a supplement or a filler. This happens a lot, or the bacteria or the pathogen you're trying to wipe out, for example, is resistant to it. This happens all the time. And this is what happens when our biases get in the way. And that's not so much you, a you issue or at all, but it's really about the doctor or the practitioner you're working with. And that's a red flag for me. And for me, the way I look at this is that we're checking in every week with clients because there could be a reaction or a problem along the way. And we want to act accordingly and modify and change it so that we can prevent this stuff from happening and we can move through the plateaus or any troubles. So it's important to understand that there is no A plus B equals C model.
for this stuff. There is no protocol for SIBO or heavy metals or parasites. There's a million tools, a million things that do work, but it's about figuring out what the right combination of things are. So that's, that's something to really be aware of, um, is sticking with rigid protocols and not modifying it, not getting or seeing any changes with it. Um, and, and honestly, the fact, another fact is that you may not just be getting the right treatments or interventions. Um, and that that's really common. You might be on the wrong medication. You might be taking the wrong dosage of some supplement or something like that. There's many variables, but, um, and I know it sounds kind of vague and there's much to consider, but it really does funnel down to these four things, root causes that, that have not been identified, lab testing, it's poor, wrong type of testing, inaccurate testing, poor in test uh, interpretation and, uh, inappropriate interventions. So I hope that gives you some ideas of where maybe you're going wrong and what to reconsider or re-explore. And, uh, that, that is what I would say to reflect on. Uh, I know it's, there's a lot to consider, but it is a starting point and at least something to bring your attention to, to see where you could re-explore again and see what might need to change and what you might want to do instead. But trust me on this, there really is a way out. There's a way to bust through the plateau and get better results. You just have not found it yet. Trust me on that. Okay. Um, I hope this was helpful for you and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Peace and love.